0: Turn to John chapter three. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you can find one underneath a seat near you. If you don't own a Bible, if you're new here with us today, we say this every week, but I wanna say it again. If you do not own a Bible, uh, make sure you take that one home with you. You find one under the seat, take it home with you. Write your name in it, note taking in it today. We wanna to ensure that everyone has a copy of God's word in their home. So John chapter three, if you wanna go ahead and get your text out. And we are uh, going to open up here in John chapter 3. And most of us, most of the time, uh, on a Christmas Eve service as a church, we would go through the Christmas story, right? You've been to a, probably a lot of Christmas Eve services, and usually that's what happens. We usually would have you open up to Luke chapter 2, and we would discuss the birth of Jesus. And we would discuss how an angel came to Mary and Joseph and told them that Mary would give birth to Jesus. And, that they would go on a census and they'd get stopped in Bethlehem, Bethlehem where there were no rooms available in the inn. And so Jesus would be born in a manger. And I, let, let me tell you, I love that story. Like, I, I love the story in Luke 2. I studied the birth of Jesus with my family every year. And in my personal life, I studied this text about every month. It's an incredible text and I, and I read it often. So it's, it's a great text, but today we're going to do something just a little bit different. Right, we're going to turn our focus towards John chapter 3, 30 or so years after the Christmas story in Luke 2. And we're going to do this in order that, we, that what we know about Jesus' birth already will bring more glory to the Lord as we see his finished work here on earth. knowing the gospel of Jesus, will intensify the worship of his birth this Christmas season and beyond. So today, we're going to walk line by line through this first half of John chapter 3. We're going to see how only through God's love and faithfulness, we can have eternal life through his son who was sent to us. So you all ready to dive into the word this morning? Say amen. Amen. Let's get it. Verses 1 through 2, John Chapter 3 says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So what we're seeing here as we open up John chapter 3, what we're seeing is a, a setting scene, right? It's, it's a late night on a rooftop. And this is a conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. Right, this man, Nicodemus, was a ruler of the Jews. Right? He was a Pharisee. And some called him the teacher of teachers. He was very high ranking in the Jews, part of the Sanhedrin. Right? These, these justice, uh, law-keeping Pharisees, these Jews. The teacher of the Jews, and this, this man, Nicodemus, he makes a statement here in the second verse of John chapter 3. He says, we, meaning him and the other rulers of the Jews, we know that you are a teacher of God because no one can perform these miracles unless God is with him. Now, you have to remember, by this time, Jesus had done a ton of miracles in this region of Galilee. All right, he turned water into wine. We talked about this. He turned water into wine at a wedding In cana of galilee he healed a bunch of people from the region he called his first followers from this region of galilee he began preaching the gospel that he has come to be savior of the world first in galilee and the pharisees including nicodemus have heard of or seen some of these miracles that jesus has been performing So when Nicodemus makes this statement to Jesus, he is really implying an unasked question. What he's really asking is, who are you? Who are you? We know you've come from God, but who are you? And he asked this because the Jews were constantly on the lookout for the promised savior that had been prophesied for hundreds of years. If you've been with us, the last few weeks of this Christmas series, two Sundays ago, we dove into Isaiah chapter 9, where the word tells us that God is going to send a promised king, a promised king that will save the world, that he'll bring light into the darkness of the world, that he'll bring joy into our heaviness, into the burden of our sin. Isaiah, The Lord, through Isaiah, prophesied this and promised this to the people of israel in fact i'm going to read through here with you isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 this morning listen to this in isaiah 9 6 through 7 says this for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So, in Isaiah, if you were here with us a few weeks ago, we see that the Lord has promised us the perfect king, right? The wonderful counselor, one who is mighty God, who is the everlasting Father. he's everlasting, he'll never end, he'll never die and leave the throne. He's wonderful in his counsel, and in fact, he's the prince of peace. He's going to bring peace between man and God. These are all descriptive traits that make up the perfect king, a king like no one in history has ever seen, the king of kings. And he will usher in a perfect kingdom, one, as Isaiah said here in Isaiah 9, that will have everlasting peace, everlasting justice, and everlasting righteousness. But who is the king? All right, who is the king? That's the million dollar question for the Jews. Who will this perfect king be? And Nicodemus, when he hears of the miracles Jesus has performed, he's incredibly intrigued because he has been taught his entire life, be on the lookout for the promised savior, be on the lookout for the king of kings. So he's implying the question to Jesus, who are you, man sent by God? Look at Jesus's reply to his, to his question. Jesus answered him this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus' answer to Nicodemus lies in the ownership of his response. He doesn't just answer him straight out. Instead, he begins to discuss the details of the kingdom of God. The only person that knows the details of the kingdom is the king. With this statement, Jesus is saying to him, I am the promised king. I am the promised savior. I am the promised Messiah. And in order to see my kingdom, you must be born again. Now, as we move into the the next five verses, Jesus turns the focus away from who he is completely. We can tell that that's all Nicodemus is concerned about. Who are you? Who are you? He turns his focus away from that because that should be evident to Nicodemus that Jesus is the king. He has fulfilled so many of the prophecies already. Nicodemus should know the answer already to who Jesus is. But the question now building in his mind and building in our minds as we read this is this. Jesus is king. How do we enter into his kingdom? Read with me here in verses 4 through 8. And he tells us here in John chapter 3. Verses 4 through 8 says this. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And when you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, put yourself in in Nicodemus' shoes here for a second. Can you imagine being him right now? He's standing on the rooftop in the dead of night, staring into the eyes of the man who he thinks may be the promised savior that was told about 700 years prior to this. I mean, if you're standing in his shoes, you're like, I'm not sure I may be staring directly into the eyes of God right now. I may be face-to-face with God himself who's about to tell me exactly how to get into heaven. The mystery that Nicodemus has dedicated his entire life to that the Jews have dedicated their entire lives to for a thousand years. Now, you've been following the religious laws. Like right? Nicodemus was a teacher of these laws. They've been following the laws. You've, you've worked your way up the ladder to become a holy man of God, the teacher of teachers. And you're about to hear if you're gonna make it into heaven, right? the ultimate thing in your mind for your entire life. God himself is going to tell you how to do this. And his response is this. You must be born again. And if you're Nicodemus, you have to sit there and go, what does that mean? Right, what does it mean to be born again? How can I be born again? I, I love Nicodemus' response here. Well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Right, he's confused entirely. This is a man who has dedicated his entire life to working for his righteousness, for following the laws to a T. And none of this is making sense to him. All of this is the exact opposite of everything he's been taught. But Jesus clears this up for him. He says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying here is that through this rebirth, man would be washed clean of all unrighteousness and given a new spirit. He's he's speaking to Demas through Ezekiel 36, where Ezekiel prophesied and talked about how the people of Israel would be washed clean and they would be given a new spirit. And Jesus is saying, this is the only way To enter his kingdom. This is the only way. And this is new for Nicodemus and the Jews. Like what what Jesus is saying here is is uncommon to them. Their entire lives, for thousands of years, as we said, they have been taught that they can obtain righteousness based on their own works. Right? If they follow the 613 commandments of the Old Testament Mosaic law, they would enter the kingdom. They would be righteous in God's eyes. If they they were circumcised, If they ate kosher, they sacrificed in ritual, all these things. And they checked all these boxes, they would get into heaven. They would see the kingdom, and right? it all depended on their works and their dedication. But now, Nicodemus is standing in front of God, being told what is required of him to enter the kingdom is completely out of his control. Not only that, it's completely out of human control. We can't make ourselves born again. It's not possible. This cannot be obtained by human effort. And as a Pharisee, a man who prides himself on being in control of his own righteousness, this is a tough pill for Nicodemus to swallow. I mean, what's literally being said here is that you need to be born again in spirit, which is a supernatural thing. And we don't have the tools to do it ourselves. Jesus even says in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We need to be reborn into the spirit, and we can't do this on our own. And this is a hard pill for some of us to swallow today. People today, the world today, this this is a hard one to take. Out in the world today, both in churches and out of churches, you hear all kinds of ways that you can get to heaven, you can enter this kingdom. All kinds of ways we can obtain righteousness. Things like just be a good person. I heard this so much before I was saved. I had questions about, about death and what happens afterward. And so I said just be a just be a good dude and, and you'll get to heaven. I'm like just be a good dude and God'll, God'll let you into heaven. If maybe you've heard if you if you tithe a lot of money, or you tithe a lot of money, you'll go to heaven. If you just follow the Ten Commandments. If you just go to church every week and read this prayer out of this book, you'll get into heaven. That's not what the Bible tells us. Right? The Bible tells us, Jesus himself tells us, that none of that gets you through the gate. you must be born again through him. You must be born again. But how do we do that? You may be sitting in your seat this morning thinking, well, how, how, do I, how am I born again? Okay, yeah, I can't get there myself. I can't, I can't make myself born again. Well, how do I get born again if that's the only way into the kingdom of God? How do we do that? What Jesus tells us here in verses 9 through 15. Let's get our eyes back on the text and read. In verse 9 of chapter 3, it says this, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him have eternal life. So Nicodemus asks here, well, how can these things be? How, how can this happen? And Jesus responds and says, how can you not know this? Right, this, is, this is your job. You, 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 I, I told you I was coming. You're supposed to be proclaiming me to the world. How can you not know this? That you spent your entire life reading about me, waiting for me, praying for me to come. And now that I'm here, you don't believe. Right? The prophets told you the perfect king was coming. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, I have arrived. I'm here. I'm the promised one. I am Emmanuel, the Savior of the world, the Son of Man. And even though you have heard my testimony and you've seen my miracles with your eyes and you know the prophecies that I'm fulfilling, like the back of your hand, you do not believe in me. And I want to ask us a question here today. Are you Nicodemus? Have you seen the miracles in his creation through his people all around you? Have you seen him work miracles in the lives of people you know, people who faithfully follow Jesus? Have you read his word and still deny him? Have you seen Jesus' love through the love of his people, through his church? Have you heard his testimony, the gospel? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is the promised savior of the world? Because Jesus tells us here, it is word today, That the only way to eternal life is through faith in him. That's it. We must be born again and only through faith in Jesus. Look again at verses 14 through 15. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus here is bringing up a story of Moses and the Israelites that's from the book of Numbers, way back in the Old Testament. The Israelites began to, to sin against God, and for that sin, they deserved his wrath. And so they got his wrath. In fact, he sent a bunch of serpents or snakes, and they bit the people, and many of them died. And the people came to Moses, and they said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord for us, that he would take away the serpents from us. And so Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when they see it, they shall live. All right, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, just like the serpent in the wilderness... When the people see me lifted up, both on the cross and in the resurrection from the dead. If they believe in me and my gospel, though they, just like the Israelites, deserve death, they deserve the wrath of God for their sin. We've been talking about that for the past month. That we as mankind, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That we deserve death, like the wages of our sin is death. That though, just like the Israelites, we deserve death. If we just believe in the Son of Man, Jesus, who has been lifted up, we can have eternal life through him. He will save us. If we do that, we will be born again. And the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5:17: if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. When you place your faith in Jesus, you become brand new. You become washed clean, but only through faith in him. That's what the Bible tells us today here in John 3. Hear that today. If you're in this room right now and you haven't made Jesus your Lord, hear that today. The only way to see the kingdom is through belief, through faith in Jesus. Only through faith in him alone. But how's this possible? Right, we've unloaded a, a lot of information. You, you probably expected to come in here for a light Christmas Eve service. That's not what you got. But you may be thinking, how's this possible, right? How, how is this, how is it possible that, that Jesus can, if I just believe in him, that I can be saved, that I can enter into the kingdom, that I can be reborn, I can have a new birth, We all know John 3:16. And there lies our answer. If you would read John 3:16 with me, church, and let the word tell us the answer to this question. John 3:16 says this, and read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All right? It's because of his love for us. All right? This is only possible because of God's faithful love for us. That he sent his son down to die on the cross for our sins. That whoever believes in him, whoever believes in his gospel, they should not perish but have eternal life. All because of his love for us. Right, Jesus came down, he descended from heaven. Right, we, we saw that today. Jesus descended from heaven. He was born of a virgin, the promised son, to give us Eternal life, to save us from eternal death. That if we believe in him who was born and lived perfectly and died for our sins and was buried and was resurrected on the third day, we will have eternal life. Eternal life with the promised perfect king in the promised perfect kingdom. It's God's faithful love for us that we must think about as we celebrate Christmas today and tomorrow and for the years to come and every single day of our lives. We need to remember that the birth of Jesus shows us God's love and faithfulness to us. That he loves us enough to give over his only son so that we could be with him forever. That he loves us enough to come down from a throne in heaven and humble himself to become man a baby and to live a perfect life and to die for sinners. I focus today and tomorrow as you're with your families on his love for us. And that's why this, this fourth Sunday of Advent is love. Right, every year, the fourth Sunday of Advent is love. And we remember that as Jesus came to earth as a baby humbly he came with a specific purpose Isaiah tells us behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel and Emmanuel means God with us and Jesus while on earth walked among us and taught us about forgiveness and compassion and selflessness and then he lived out all of his teachings for us and he walked first so that we may walk in the footsteps behind him and then his journey climax on the cross a cross made by sinners at a hill called calvary where his love would be poured out where his blood would be shed so that we could become the righteousness of god This is the most incredible free gift that you can ever receive. If you're gonna get a gift, if you're gonna desire a gift this Christmas season, make it this one. The most incredible free gift that we could ever receive that of forgiveness of sin and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that's why we worship Jesus, not just during Christmas but every single day of our lives. We need the constant reminder of what he did for us out of his love for us. And today on Christmas Eve, we're gonna take some time to remember and reflect on the love of Jesus through his death on the cross for us. Together as a body of believers this morning, we're gonna take communion together, not just as a ritual, Not just because it's Christmas, but because we need this constant reminder of God's love for us, what he did for us on the cross. So we're going to take some intentional quiet time before we take the bread and the juice as a church body to pray and remember Jesus' death on the cross, the blood spilled that gave us eternal life to remember God's faithfulness to us that though we are sinners, Jesus died for us to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, just as the Lord has promised us. Now, before we do this, communion is a time for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you have not trusted Jesus with your eternal salvation, I ask that you don't partake in communion, but instead take this time to reflect on the gospel that you just heard that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and through his resurrection, you can live eternally through him if you just believe and have faith in him. That the gospel can save you from eternal death. So take some time, this time of silence and pray and remember the love Jesus showed us on the cross and then we will take the bread and the juice together. So let's pray. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, in the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take it, drink. It. If you would, church, stand with me. And we're going to continue in prayer and in worship to the Lord for his everlasting love for us, that he, as a faithful God, held true to his word in Isaiah chapter 9, that he sent a king, a promised king, the perfect king, to bring light into our darkness, to bring joy into our heaviness, to bring his kingdom into our dark world. And so that today, as we worship him, as we leave this place this morning, that is where our focus and our eyes and our hearts should be on Jesus and Jesus alone today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for humbly coming down from the kingdom of heaven, from your throne and taking on our sin. And though we are sinners, though we fall short constantly, still willingly went to the cross and died for us father it's that love jesus that love put that all on our hearts this morning and as we worship you now and as we as we walk through this christmas season with you with our families we direct everyone around us and show them this is because of you we want to worship and glorify you for being a faithful and loving god to us we love you jesus We worship you. You are holy. It's your name we pray all things. Amen.